Mr. Nerd of New Cool Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm Justin. And I'm John. How you guys been lately? You know, not too bad. <laughs> um, so we were talking before the shameless plug, everybody. Listen to our podcast about surviving the apocalypse because we know it's coming. Yeah, my wife is hoping it comes. That's a very Jana thing. She's got to do. I feel yes. We had a conversation about this last night where she's ready. She's ready. She's, she's willing to be a sacrificial lamb too. Oh, if she man. gets it. She's fine with that. She's just the worst. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> so we're going to talk about what we just started out on first, obviously, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the show. So, John, tell us about what you just started out on. So, what I just nerded out on was a Led Zeppelin tribute band called Celebration Day. So they play two shows, uh, every pretty much two shows at the end of February every single year. And this year marks the third year that I've gone to both shows. I think I've been going for... Maybe four or five years, and I'll just continue to go to both as long as they play back-to-back shows. Yeah, so he went two nights in a row. Yes. Just in case anybody wasn't clear yes. on that. And nice. I, and I had a chance to go with him this year for the first time, and it's pretty awesome. It is pretty good. I mean, it's so it's at the pageant, which for my money is the, the best venue in St. Louis. Definitely. Um, Josh, you've been to the pageant? I have been. Excellent. Yeah. What did you see, like a Teletubbies hey. documentary hey, or something? I saw 30 Seconds to Mars there. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, they're a good concert. <laughs> that's and pretty I, cool. Yeah, that's uh, Jared Leto. Yep, yeah. that is Jared Leto mm-hmm. and his brother, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very nice. But uh, <laughs> so there were some there were some variations between the set lists, you know, for both nights. But some of the you know the the staples they play both nights. But their their first performance was in 2006, and they're made up of Mark Quinn on vocals, who is also a member of Joe Dirt and the Dirty Boys, which is a, a local cover band. Jimmy Griffin, the lead guitarist, is also in the, the Incurables. Cubby Smith plays bass and mandolin. It's also got David Grell. Did I say that right? Grell, yeah. Grell, yeah. All right. On the keyboards. Um, he also plays in Dave Grell's Play Adores and Funky Butt Brass Band. What a fun name that is. Funky Butt Brass Band. Yeah. John Pisoni, who's on the drums. Uh, he's from The Urge, famous St. Louis band. Stir and Joe Dirt and the Dirty Boys. Um, and there are other performers. We got Jim Peters and Kelly Wilde. Peters was on the guitar, and Kelly Wilde was on the vocals. Yeah. So I would say if you're a fan of Led Zeppelin, you should definitely check them out next year. Um, and then also Mark, Jimmy, and John are members of the St. Louis-based Pink Floyd tribute band El Monstero, who play generally anywhere between five and seven shows around Christmas, which – we also frequent. Yeah, and I would say if it, I, if you I mean if you had to pick which one first to see, I would say El Monstero. They prop. I mean, they do Zeppelin really well, but I feel like they do Pink Floyd better. Yeah, so and that's kind of. By the way, this is what I nerded out on too. In case any people wasn't clear on that as well, uh, but that's what kind of turned me on to going to see it because I saw I've seen El Monstero because we go every year to see it, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I'll check this celebration day out. I like Led Zeppelin, and it's pretty freaking awesome. It's so awesome. three hours of Zeppelin. Yeah, check it out. Nice. Yeah, so I have a little bit different this time. I have been nerding out on SPQR. It is a book about ancient Rome. It goes through the founder Romulus and all the way up through 212 AD. It debuted in 2015. It was a New York Times bestseller, and it was written by Mary Beard. Can I ask, uh, it talks about Romulus. Is Remus also in it? Romulus and Remus is also in it. Very good. Yes, Look and at the you. wolf. The wolf yes. with the... 
They nursed the at the suckling. most breast. Yes. yes. <laughs> nice. Justin, you should read this book. I know things. Like, I know yeah. things. <laughs> it is a very good book. Um, kind of challenges some of the better known theories that we hold about Rome. So if you're a history buff, check it out. I also have a book sitting in my hand about the Spanish flu at home because I have to I have to prepare for what happened 100 years ago. So re- so what you're saying is read the Spanish flu book, then listen to our zombie apocalypse podcast, and you're basically be prepared. You're and set. And then you'll be ready. For yeah. what's what's inevitably to come. Yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> you'll be re- so question, on, so it goes through 212 AD. Yes. Is that the sacking of Rome um, or why, t- why No, it goes through the different emperors and the last of the good emperors. It stops after Commodus, I should say, so not the good emperors, but yeah. I haven't finished it yet, gotcha. but her, her rationale was doing it as a – she says there's a very big change with Rome at that time. It wasn't the 476 or any of that fun stuff. So, right. Just curious. Yep. Cool. It was good. Check right. it out. Well, that's good. Uh, can we also all just, just re- uh, realize that I didn't nerd out on a television show or a movie? Was a concert. I know. It's like you got a life. Aren't you pretty proud of me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. Don't worry. We'll be back to TV in the next one. No big deal. Um, okay. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We are just loving this topic, and we're going to talk about Robin Hood. And here's what it's called. I'm very, cle- I'm very clever with this. Robin Hood. Friend. Foe. Fake. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going we're to talk all things Robin Hood. And... The first thing we should talk about, obviously, with that, I'm saying the word talk about a lot. We'll move on past that. Who is Robin Hood? Now, Justin, on my notes, you, you did this part of the notes, and I'm noticing that it says, who is Robin Rood? Well, we're going to talk about Robin Rood first, and then Robin Hood okay. after that. Robin Hood. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So who is Robin Rood, <laughs> a.k.a. Robin Hood? So he's portrayed as a heroic outlaw originally depicted in English folklore, and he's been in a ton of different movies and films. And according to legend, he was a highly skilled archer and swordsman. Yeah, in some versions of the legend, he's depicted as being a noble of noble birth. And in modern retellings, he's sometimes depicted as having fought in the Crusades before returning to England to find his lands taken by the sheriff. And now we're going to get into the, my favorite rendition of that one. Well, there's a lot of favorite renditions of that, but that I certainly have one favorite. Yes, I, I, favorite I actually well. do too. All right. <laughs> so in the oldest known versions, he is a member of the yeoman class, which is a person who serves... A knight or a servant to a cleric, so he was not a noble, but he was actually a servant to a cleric in the older versions. Yep. I believe that's yeoman. You're probably right. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, Traditionally depicted dressed in Lincoln green, he is said to have robbed from the rich and given to the poor, which is kind of his M.O. Yeah. Throughout any rendition ever. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of what he does. But there's different versions of why he does that, um, as we'll learn. There are some pretty common main characters and locations as we kind of go through all the different stories and folklore of Robin Hood. Maid Marian is his special lady friend. Uh, he has his band of outlaws known as the Merry Men. Uh, let's not forget about some of the Merry Men, which are Little John and Will Scarlet. And finally, I think this guy probably eventually becomes a Merry Man, but he kind of doesn't start out like that. That's Friar Tuck. Yeah. So and then his chief opponent is the Sheriff of Nottingham. And the sheriff is often depicted as assisting Prince John in usurping the rightful but absent King Richard. And the, the main place uh, where, they, where most of the story takes place is Sherwood Forest, which is where he hides, which is within Nottinghamshire, which is the main county or like kind of area where the sheriff of Nottingham 
right. is. Nottingham and Nottinghamshire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first, before we talk about kind of renditions of pop culture, et cetera, we need to talk about folklore. And there's a lot of kind of, that's almost the origin of Robin Hood. So the first clear reference to the rhymes of Robin Hood is from the alliterative poem Pierce Plowman, um, thought to have composed in the 1930s. But the earliest surviving copies of the narrative ballads that tell a story date to the second half of the 15th century or the first decade of the 16th century. So this guy basically, we start seeing some poems popping up in the, ni- in the 1370s. For our, for our astute listeners, not the 1930s, but the 1370s. Out there, just did I say that wrong? You said 1930s. You said 1930s. Oh, I did. That's oh. okay. What did you guys do at this gala last Why night? Why did I say I, 1930s? I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. So it was composed in the 1370s. Yeah, 1930s. <laughs> I mean, I just put a new number it's in there. Not very legendary. Yes, yeah. yeah. 1370s, and then again the <sighs> ballads, uh, the copies popped up in the second half of the 15th century. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Off to a great start Off to a good start, team. In these early accounts, Robin Hood's partisanship of the lower classes and his devotion to the Virgin Mary and associated special regard for women, he's outstanding as an archer. He is anti-clericalism and his particular animosity towards the Sheriff of Nottingham already clear. So we already know in the earliest accounts, you know how much he does not like them. But then also in the earliest surviving text of Robin Hood, ballad is the 15th century Robin Hood and the Monk. Uh, This is preserved in Cambridge University, written after 1450, and it contains many of the elements still associated with the legend, from the Nottingham setting to the bitter enmity between Robin and the local sheriff. That's That's pretty close. So, all right, so that's the first actually surviving text. Robin Hood and Guy of Gisborne introduces and disposes of Guy of Gisborne, who remains next to the Sheriff of Nottingham, the chief villain of the Robin Hood legend. So he, he's like the other bad guy, sort of. Um, this ballad survives in a single 17th century copy, but has always been recognized as much older in content, possibly older than Robin Hood and the Monk. A uh, play with a similar plot survives in a copy dated to 1475. And so other early texts are dramatic <coughs> pieces, the earliest being the fragmentary... Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham. These show the integration into the May Day rituals towards the end of the Middle Ages. Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham contains the earliest references to Friar Tuck. You can't really see on the text, but all of the I's are, re- are replaced with Y's mm-hmm. on that one. Mm-hmm. And then the first printed version of is a jest of Robin Hood, circa 1500, a collection of... S- Separate stories that attempts to unite the episodes into a single continuous narrative and is more of a thriller. So then we've got Robin Hood and the Potter, which is contained in a manuscript uh, circa 1503. And it's more of a comic, and its plot contains or involves trickery and cunning rather than a straightforward force. And the political and social assumptions underlying the early Robin Hood ballads have long been controversial. It's not sure what his intentions were. But he appears not so much as a revolt against societal standards as an embodiment of them, being generous, pious, and courteous, opposed to stingy, worldly, and churlish foes. Churlish. Churlish. What a great word. A.A. Ron. A.A. Churlish. All right, so a lot of ballads there. That's kind of setting the stage for kind of where he comes from. Um, there are some real-life origins 
First of all, Robinhood has always been linked to identifiable rural places such as Sherwood Forest in Nottinghamshire, so those places exist. And a challenge has been that Robinhood is a rather common name in medieval England. Robert was a very common given name, as, as was its diminutive Robin, especially during the 13th century. Yeah, so Robin's pretty common, and so is Hood. Uh, was also, it was also, honestly, it's, it's referred to as a maker of hoods or a person who wore a hood. So that could be, be a lot of people. So interestingly, it's entirely possible that there were several Robin Hoods roaming around medieval England, some of who may even match the description of the legends. One writer claimed that Robin Hood was the Earl of Huntington and was buried in the grounds of Kirkley's Priory in West Yorkshire. This is supported by an alleged grave with an inscription indicating that that was Robin Hood's resting place. Hmm. It's also claimed that Robin Hood was not from Nottingham, but was actually from York. For instance, instead of Sherwood Forest, Robin Hood is said to have, have his base in Barnsdale Forest, which is on the border between South and West Yorkshire. The earliest known legal records mentioning a person called Robin Hood appeared in the York... Assizes. Assizes, okay, thank you. Criminal court, which are criminal court documents in 1226. And according to documentation, Robert Hood had his assets worth 32 shillings and 6 pence, which he owed to St. Peter's in York, confiscated, and then he became an outlaw. Robin Hood of York is the, is the only early Robin Hood known to have been an outlaw. Many believe that he remains one of the strongest candidates to be the real Robin Hood ever found by historians. So basically... He could have existed. There were probably a lot of versions of him. There were pe- a lot of people called Robin Hood. It was a com- yeah. I was gonna say it's a common name. Yeah, and he could have been possibly this criminal that became maybe a you know a, a yeah, person for the good. All his money taken, and then he became an outlaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But who's to say? There are a lot of early stories, however. And by the early 15th century, at the latest, Robin Hood had become associated with May Day celebrations, with people dressing as Robin or as members for his ban- of his band for the festivities. Yeah, and speaking of May Day, it's from the association with the May Games that his romantic attachment to Maid Marian stems from. Yeah, and in the Jeu de Robin and Marian, Robin and his companions have... Re- have to rescue Marion from the clutches of a lustful knight from the French May celebrations. And in 1598, Anthony Munday wrote a pair of plays on the Robin Hood legend. And this was called The Downfall and the Death of Robert, Earl of Huntington, which was published in 1601. It has been suggested that Munday drew heavily on Folk Fitzwarren, a historical 12th century outlawed nobleman and enemy of King John, in creating his Robin Hood. The play identifies Robin Hood as Robert, Earl of of Huntington, probably for the first time, and identifies Maid Marian as one of the semi-mythical Matildas persecuted by King John. Hmm. Uh, William Shakespeare also makes reference to Robin Hood in his late 16th century play, The Two Gentlemen of Verona. Verona. Hmm. In it, the character Valentine is banished from Milan and driven out through the forest where he's approached by outlaws who, upon meeting him, desire him as their leader. They comment, quote, by the bare scalp of Robin Hood's frat, fat friar, this fellow were a king for a wild faction. End quote. <laughs> and he's also, Robin Hood's also mentioned in As You Like It. When asked about the exiled Duke Sr., the character of Charles says that he is already in the forest of Arden and many merry men with him. And there they live like the old Robin Hood of England. 
With the advent of printing came the Robin Hood broadside ballads. Single sheet of ins a single sheet of inexpensive paper printed on one side, often with a ballad, rhyme, news, and sometimes with woodcut illustrations. And among those ballads is Robin Hood and Little John, which tells the famous story of the quarterstaff fight between the two outlaws. And I'm laughing because I'm just thinking of the, the comedic version of this that we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> but that's a pretty iconic battle between Robin Hood and Little John before they became best buds. Well, and it's depicted in multiple films. Right. Mm-hmm. It's more serious than others. Correct. <laughs> So in the 18th century, there are a number of ballads in which Robin Hood is portrayed as a mere simpleton. In fact, the only character who does not get the better of Hood is the luckless sheriff. Robin often acts with great shrewdness. Robin disguises himself as a, as a friar and cheats two priests out of their cash, which is kind of also referenced in some movies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Even when Robin is defeated, he usually tricks his foe into letting him sound his horn, summoning the merry men to his aid. When his enemies do not fall for the ruse, he persuades them to drink with him instead. Wow. Quite the social butterfly. Just either steal their money or <laughs> get them drunk. Or get them drunk. In 1795, Joseph Ritson published an enormously influential edition of the Robin Hood ballads, Robin Hood, a collection of all the ancient poems, songs, and ballads um, that, are, that are relative to that celebrated outlaw. So basically, here's a, just a like, giant book of poems and ballads about this guy. Yeah, and then by providing English poets and novelists with a convenient source book, Ritson gave them the opportunity to recreate Robin Hood in their own imagination. Yeah, and Ritson's imp- interpretation of Robin Hood was also influential, having influenced the modern concept of stealing from the rich and giving to the poor as it exists today. Right. So, this, I mean, this Ritson guy really kind of composed or compiled everything together and basically said, okay, here's what we know so far, and you can kind of have some freedom to you know, interpret it moving forward how you want. Mm-hmm. He also supported the principles of the French Revolution and was an admirer of Thomas Paine. He held that Robin Hood was a genuinely historical and genuinely heroic character who stood up against tyranny in the interests of the common people. So regardless, though, at this point, like, he's looked at as a good guy, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah, and Ritson, in his preface, wrote an account of Robin Hood's life from the various sources available to him, and he concluded that Robin Hood was born around 1160 and thus had been active in the reign of Richard I. And in the 19th century, the Robin Hood legend was first specifically adapted for children. Children's editions of the Garlands were produced produced in 1820. Uh, and, well, and in 1820, a children's edition of Ritson's Robin Hood collection was published. Children's novels began to appear shortly thereafter. A very popular version for children, to continue that kind of children influence, was Howard Pyle's The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood, which influenced accounts of Robin Hood through the 20th century. Yeah, and Pyle's version firmly stamps Robin as a staunch philanthropist, which is a man who takes from the rich to give to the poor. And then Alfred Lord Tennyson would write a four-act Robin Hood play at the end of the 19th century called The Foresters. It is fundamentally based on the, on the jest, but follows the tradition of placing Robin as the Earl of Huntington in the time of Richard I and making the Sheriff of Nottingham and Prince John rivals with Robin Hood for Maid Marian's hand, which is also something that perpetuates, well, even today. Right. So to recap... Right. We've got this folklore. We've got all these random tellings. And then it starts getting put to paper. And then eventually we have some people compiling all of the folklore, all of the legends, the positives and negatives, the characters. Ritson kind of starts that. 
and here comes Tennyson to pretty much finish it off. And that, so that's like the current version that we all know, right? Basically, Basically. yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and, and Ritson kind of like he compiles all the information, but then he draws his own conclusions, and then people start per- to perpetuate his conclusions. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're actually you know taking his work and like trying to make an, their own inter- interpretation, or if they're it sounds like they just kind of took it and said, oh. He's this, he's this good guy who's forced to be a criminal, but he's really good, and he's trying to help us out. Yeah. So when you gotta we're wonder, just going to go with that. you got to wonder, too, as it started becoming like a kid's, you know, it was being consumed by kids. you got these kids' shows or whatever it is, mm-hmm. kids' editions. At that point, you kind of probably start making him – I mean, he's got to be the, the protagonist the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and make the, the sheriff the super bad guy and, and Prince John, et cetera. So, all right. Now into the fun part. Yeah, Portra- that was the nuts and bolts part. Now we're into the fun part. The, the history, yes. Yeah. Setting the stage. So let's get into th- different portrayals and renditions of Robin Hood. Our favorite, our favorite. Uh, what, would, what would you call? What would you call him? He's a. You said philanthropist. Is that what we what refer he's to a, as Robin Hood? Our favorite outlaw. He's, he's an, an outlaw. outlaw. Okay, all right. Yeah. He's an outlaw. He's, he's an out- not. He, he doesn't have to be a bad guy to be mm-hmm. an outlaw, but he's certainly yeah. an outlaw. Okay, our favorite outlaw. There are so many. Let's start with live-action feature films, and there are really a lot. There's over 30. We can't talk about all of them. We're just going to kind of go, th- go through them and mention briefly a little sh- little schmidge about them. First one is 1908. This was called Robin Hood and His Merry Men, and it was a silent film directed by Percy Stowe, and it was the first appearance of Robin Hood on the big screen. And then you have 1912, Robin Hood, a silent film starring... Robert Fraser is Robin Hood. We should mention most of these movies before the 1920s are going to be silent films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so 1912, Robin Hood Outlawed was a British film starring A. Brian Plant as Robin Hood. In, in 1913, Ivanhoe featuring Walter Thomas as Robin Hood. And also in 1913, Robin Hood uh, starring William Russell as Robin Hood. They're just knocking these out because then also in 1913 there's another one. It's a British short film called In the Days of Robin Hood. And in 1922... There's a the the last silent film called Robin Hood, starred Douglas Fairbanks. So the first talking film was in 1938, The Adventures of Robin Hood, starring Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland, portrayed Robin as a hero on a national scale, leading the oppressed Saxons in a revolt against their Norman overlords, while Richard the Lionheart fought in the Crusades. And during one fight sequence, Errol Flynn was jabbed by an actor who was using an unprotected sword. He, he asked him why he didn't have a guard on the point. The other player apologized and explained that director Michael Kuritz had instructed him to remove the safety feature in order to make the action more exciting. <laughs> Flynn reportedly climbed up a gantry where Kuritz, the director, was standing next to the camera, took him by the throat and asked him if he found that exciting enough. Man, Errol Flynn, pretty tough guy. Badass. The film was so successful that a sequel was commissioned. However, the U.S. government wanted to restrict the amount of money investing in filmmaking anticipating joining World War II, so it was delayed. And by 1945, when the war was over, the project was scrapped. So, No Adventures of Robin Hood, Part Uh, 2. 1946, The Bandit of Sherwood Forest was a film starring Cornell Wilde as Robert of Nottingham. He was Robin Hood's son. Robin Hood was played by Russell Hicks. And then in 1948, The Prince of Thieves was a film starring John Hall as Robin Hood. In 1951, Rogues of Sherwood Forest, starring John Derrick as Robin Hood's son, Robert of Huntington. And in 1951, Tales of Robin Hood, a Robert Lippin, uh, Lippert film with Robert Clark as Robin Hood. You know, it's interesting. In most of the modern retellings, 
they don't mention the sun or anything at all. So I guess that was just kind of a an era then of Robin Hood's son in the late 40s and early 50s. They were probably just trying to do something different. Yeah. yeah. I would have to imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of films here within yeah. a, a Robin short Hood, period Robin of time. Hood. Mm-hmm. Robin Hood, Robin Hood. Yeah. This kind of feels like current movie making. Running out of ideas, let's just reboot Spider-Man six times. Yeah. In 1952, Disney Studios, we know them, speaking of, speaking of Spider-Man, uh, they produced the story of Robin Hood and his Merry Men, and then in 1952 as well, the, another movie, Ivanhoe, came out. Another and that's, Ivanhoe. That's kind of a remake of a 1913 movie called yeah. Ivanhoe. This one had noise or sounds, though. It was not silent. So 1954, The Men of Sherwood Forest was a Hammer Films feature starring Don Taylor as Robin. And then 1958, another The Son of Robin Hood, where the son of Robin Hood is actually his daughter, played by June Leverick. Twist. Twist. <laughs> Twist done a, a twist that's done again. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1960, uh, Robin Hood and the Pirates. I'm not going to attempt the Italian translation, mm-hmm. but it was an Italian film with Lex Barker as Robin Hood. And then also in 1960, Sword of Sherwood Forest, a Hammer version, Richard Green reprising his television role. Another Italian film in '62 called The Triumph of Robin Hood, and in 1967 there was a film called A Challenge for Robin Hood. Yeah, then in 1969, Wolf's Head, The Legend of Robin Hood, was a Hammer version with Barry Ingham as Robin Hood. And in 1970, Robin Hood, El Arquero, Invincible, was a Spanish-Italian co-production with Carlos Quinney as Robin Hood. Good job pronouncing all that. I try. Thank you. That was very well done. Uh, Oh, (laughs) that is me. Good luck. (laughs) See, I was so impressed, I'm not going to pronounce this. In 1971, (laughs) there was a film italian film that translated to long live robin hood and the scallywag bunch oh i love the word <laughs> scallywag uh 1971 there's also a film called up the chastity belt <laughs> these are some great titles yes. i mean i gotta tell you long live the scallywag and up the chastity belt i like this one 1975 <laughs> the arrows of robin hood was a soviet adaptation in russian by sergey tarasov and it starred boris Kamenitsky as Robin Hood was the songs of Vladimir Vytoski. Hmm. And in 1975, Robin Hood Jr. starred Keith Chegwin as a young Robin. They gotta start doing. The, we gotta see some Robin Hood offspring films. We haven't mm-hmm. seen. We haven't seen one of those in a while. No, we haven't. <laughs> well, they just keep remaking the original. Like, yeah, just keep remaking. So the far, 1975 is the most recent offspring one. Yeah. Yes. It's a weird word, sorry. Offspring. Children. 1976, <laughs> there was Robert. Oh, I'm sorry, Robert. Robin and Marion, which is a film, you know, Robert and Marion, starring Sean Connery as Robin Hood and Audrey Hepburn as Maid Marion. Portrays the figures in later years after Robin has returned from service with Richard the Lionheart in a foreign crusade, and Marion has gone into seclusion in a nunnery. I, I, I just. I, Thought this movie was so interesting because I can't I can't believe I've never heard of it before with Sean Connery in it. And I oh, guess I it was seventy six. Audrey, Hepburn. Audrey mm-hmm. Hepburn too. Hepburn was convinced to take the role of Marion in part uh, from the insistence of her sons. Once her young sons learned that Sir Sean Connery had been cast as Robin Hood, they begged their mother to take the part so she could act with James Bond. The movie actually could not be shot in England because some of the major principals were tax exiles, a bunch of tax thieves hiding out. <laughs> So, and then in 1981, Time Bandit, starring John Cleese, Sean Connery, Shelley Duvall, was written and directed by Till- Terry Gilliam, had a short spoof of the Robin Hood legend with Robin, played by Cleese, 
being portrayed as an upper-class twit and as a parody of Charles, Prince of Wales. I think John Cleese would say you're a twit for pronouncing his name. Cleesey. I know. John Cleese, <laughs> Terry Gilliam of Monty, Monty Python. Python. Monty Python fame. Mm-hmm. And then there were some international renditions in the 80s. You had 1983, The Ballad of the Valiant Knight Ivanhoe. And then in 1986, there was Super, Fanto- Super Fantozzi, an Italian film. I gave you guys all the hard ones mm-hmm. to pronounce that. in different languages. But now here's the big one. One, one of, of the big one ones. One of the big ones. 1991, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I mean, have you seen this one? This is my favorite Okay, one. okay, This good. is my favorite one, yes. I know, I know Lambert's seen this one. Definitely. I grew times. up watching this movie <laughs> all the time. Pretty sure I... Th- I, I don't know if I saw it in the theaters or not, but I've definitely seen it numerous times. I don't know how many times I've seen it. But the reason why I've seen it so many times is it stars Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, and Alan Rickman. And don't forget, Sean Connery makes an appearance as King Richard. Very you young. also have a young, oh my gosh, what's his name? Will Scarlet in that movie. Christian Slater oh, yeah. is yep. in that movie. So yeah, it's a good movie. Alan Rickman turned down the role of the sheriff twice before he was told he could more or less have carte blanche with his interpretation of the character. This is odd. Carrie Elways was offered the role of Robin Hood, but turned it down because he thought the plot was too contrived. Which is pretty hilarious, given what he also stars in later. Correct. Christian Slater ad-libbed Will Scarlet's line, speaking of which. All right, cover your ears, Josh. (laughs) Fuck me, he cleared it. (laughs) <laughs> which is what after Robin and Azim are catapulted over the castle wall, then director Kevin Reynolds kept it in because he thought it was funny despite the historical inaccuracy. There's a lot of historical inaccuracies in this in this film, but pretty great. And, and bending the laws of physics, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's beside yes. the point. Yes, Don't worry about that. <laughs> Sadiq, the name that Azim calls Robin, means friend in Arabic. It is also means... It also means, I'm sorry, one who is trustworthy. And here's, this is interesting. I didn't know Alan Rickman ad-libbed his line about calling off Christmas. <laughs> Love it. Call off Christmas. <laughs> uh, that's He's just so great. So, as if we didn't have enough Robin Hood in that year, they also decided to produce another movie in 1991 called Robin Hood, which starred Patrick Bergen and Uma Thurman. And it's a reinvention of the story pitting Robin Hood against different antagonists. And the film was released the- theatrically in Europe, Australia, and Japan, and on television on the Fox Network in the U.S. and in South America. I had no idea this film existed. No, right? Never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. No, and Uma Thurman is, is kind of a big actress. It's a very Hollywood thing, though. It's yeah. Like, you got one studio doing one Robin Hood, so then the other studio, yeah. it's like, well, we got to do one, too. Was this like a Deep Impact uh, Armageddon, Armageddon situation? Yep. <laughs> Except this one was released in different countries, and then on, it was like a TV, made-for-TV movie, Yeah, sort of. So then in 1993, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, a film by Mel Brooks that spoofs both the 1938 and 1991 films and recycles bits from a short-lived late 1975 Robin Hood TV sitcom, When Things Were Rotten, Carrie L. Elwes? I don't know. Els? Els. Okay. I don't know. Plays Robin in the movie, and Patrick Stewart appears in the ending, spoofing Sean Connery's take on Richard. This is my favorite. By the way, yes, Robin Hood. Rendition. I figured this would be your guys' favorite. Yes, <laughs> it's good to be the king. Yeah, <laughs> so many uh, great lines. The scene where sheriff, where the sheriff Roger Reese falls through the roof of Latrine, who's played by Tracy Ullman, 
and she gets and she tries to get him to have sex with her was completely improvised by Reese and Ullman. Yeah, and he, so she's Pretty like awesome. she's like tackling him in the straw bed, and then he. <laughs> I think Kablazi has got a headache. He goes, "I got a headache." I got. I got she goes, headache. "I was this close. I touched it. I touched it." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh. That, that should have had you cover yours on that one too. The gag about Robin being forced to speak with an English accent is a reference of Kevin Costner's performance in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I think the line is. What is he, what is he unlike, like? Unlike other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, I have a mole. Sorry. <laughs> this is also the theatrical movie debut of one Dave Chappelle. Who played a chew. A chew. Yeah. His father was a G- sneeze. Kazoon. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> no, no, man. That's my name. A chew. <laughs> Throughout the movie, Justin, already, you already made reference to this. The, the mole on the face of Prince John, who is played by Richard Lewis, changes position. It starts on his left cheek, then on his chin, his lip, his right cheek, and finally on his forehead. We could go on about I all could, things Robin Hood, Men and Tights. I could probably quote the whole movie. Probably without even notes. <laughs> yeah. But I guess we'll move on for the sake of everyone. Yeah, in 2004, Nottingham 2051, year 2051, Robin Hood and Little John want to deliver essential pharmacies in the third world. Robin Hood is played by Tiziano Scrocia. Scroke, I should say. And then in 2007, there was Splitting the Arrow, which is a comedic parody of a documentary crew entering Sherwood Forest. <laughs> that actually sounds funny. I bet that's pretty funny. <laughs> and then 2010, Robin Hood, a film directed by Ridley Scott and starring Russell Crowe and Kate Blanchett came out. Have you guys seen this one? I have I have seen this one. I'm not a, a very times. big fan of this movie. It was fine. I didn't think it was. I mean, it wasn't. Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. I didn't think it was. Bad. I think it's because I just love Prince of Thieves so much that mm-hmm. I was like, "That's not what happens to Robin." Yeah, I think I'm kind of on the same <laughs> boat. Maybe it's a different. It's kind of a different spin mm-hmm. on it. But it's I do. I use the movie, the scene where they're citing the Magna Carta in my government classes. Mm. That episode. So that is one good thing about the movie. Yeah. And I think it was kind of duped. A lot of people thought, "Hey, Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe, Gladiator, all over again." Yeah. And it was not. No, it wasn't. It wasn't close. Um, speaking of Russell Crowe, at 45, he was the old, he is the oldest actor to play Robin Hood in a movie. Sean Connery was 44 when he played the veteran Robin Hood in Robin and Marion in 1976. And a planned sequel was actually canceled due to this movie's poor performance at the box office. Yeah, and Ridley Scott had said the only previous movie he liked or thought was any good was Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's because it's fantastic. He's got good taste. He's got great taste. Uh, 2012, we had Robin Hood, Ghosts of Sherwood, Sherwood, a German-U.S. international co-production. And then finally, the most recent one, um, as far as live-action film, is 2018, titled Robin Hood. It's a film directed by Otto Bathurst, which was previously titled Robin Hood Origins. And it stars Jamie Foxx as Little John and Taron Egerton as Robin. And it's a, he's like a war-hardened crusader. Who saw this? I have not seen. I didn't want to waste I've my seen, time. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I haven't seen it all the way through. I didn't see it either. I, I hated the trailer so much that I didn't even see it. So <laughs> I didn't mind the trailer. Yeah, I was I, like, I'll probably see it one day. So Just to see it. <laughs> the set and costume designers were instructed to make everything one-third historically correct, one-third contemporary, and one-third futuristic to achieve the movie's unique look. It's like probably was one-third accepted. Yes. <laughs> That's why it was so poor at the bottom. Yeah. Of it was released 110 years after the first Robin Hood film, Robin Hood and His Merry Men. 
and the film omits two of the most commonly used characters in Robin Hood adaptations, Prince John and King Richard, which I did not know because yeah. well, I haven't seen it. Yeah. There's also there've also been seven live action television films um and we're not going to go into all these, but I mean they range from 1966 all the way up to 2009, a bunch of made for TV movies basically. Yeah, there's also been 16 live action TV series. You Again, we're not going to get all the way into them all, but 1953, you know, all the way to 1975. Mel Brooks produced one in 1975 when things were rotten. <laughs> so you could tell he was a Robin Hood fan. Yeah. Uh, let's also not forget about um, there was a Terry La Lafront. How, how do you pronounce that? I don't even know. Thierry how, yeah. Lafronde. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that was a French television broadcast. So, that, I mean, there have just been a lot of different. In all different types of countries, basically. Yeah. I mean, BBC did one in 2006 and 2009. Yeah, 2016, there was a Philippine primetime series. Interesting. Let's not forget about another Ivanhoe in 1997, oh, yeah. which is a TV miniseries featuring Aiden Gillette, Gillette as Robin Hood of Loxley. And then there have also been seven animated series. There's a lot of them. Probably the most the most famous one was Walt Disney's Robin Hood. Where I love that movie. Robin Hood was a fox, and then Friar Tuck. What was he, a bear? Pig. Pig? I thought he was a bear. No, he was to be a pig. Oh, that's right. But okay. he was changed to a badger to avoid insulting religious sensibilities. Thus, I forget, Sheriff of Nottingham was actually originally a goat, but was changed to a wolf. And honestly, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> but there have, been, there have been, you know, seven principal ones, but that's... The Disney one is pretty much the main one that everybody remembers. I watched that with my daughter. She loves it. Yeah, that's a good one. There have also been two animated television films. In 1972, The Adventures of Robin Hoodnick. It's a fun, weird word. And again, 1986, another one called Ivanhoe, which was an animated TV movie where Robert Colby provided the voice of Robin Hood. Man, did we... Why, why Ivanhoe? What, I was just going to ask... I'm not. I'm not quite sure about the significance of the Ivanhoe name. I don't know what it is either, but they like it. Yeah, they do like it a lot. And then there were three animated TV series. One of them was a Japanese series, interestingly enough. And then the last one was 20, 2005 King Arthur's Disasters, a British animated series, features Robin Hood who rivals Arthur. So. Real quick, I just looked this up. Ivanhoe. All right. <laughs> Ivanhoe is a book that came out in 1819. And apparently, it's a story of one of the remaining Anglo Saxon noble families at the time. Uh, basically, when nobility in England was overwhelmingly Norman. And it, it follows this Saxon protagonist um, while his father is, uh, who's out of favor with his father for his allegiance to the Norman king, Richard the Lionheart. So this guy is all about Richard the, Richard the, Richard the Lionheart. That's where Ivanhoe comes from, okay, which kind of makes sense where that relates to this, obviously. So there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of different versions of this. Yes. So That's not even mentioning the Kira Knightley. I was just going to say. Yeah. Oh, I saw your thunder. The, prince, the Princess of Thieves. Yes. Yeah. It, was a, it was a Disney TV only made for tv movie before she was really before she was big right <clears throat> but let's 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 dive into some of the legacy and some of the the, the cultural significance this is actually a, an interesting fact in 1953 during 
well, the, the heart of McCarthyism, uh, the Republican members of the Indiana Textbook Commission called a, for a ban of Robin Hood from all Indiana school books for promoting communism because he stole from the rich and gave to the poor. <laughs> oh, those socialists and communists, they're just the worst, right? It's not exactly how communism works, that but not that's communism. Republicans the point. In the 1950s. <laughs> that is not at all. So, I mean, honestly, he, he, cultural significance-wise, there have been 36 live-action films. I'm sorry if our count is wrong. We, we may have missed some. Seven TV films, 16 TV shows, seven animated features, two animated TV features, and three animated TV series. And I'm sure we missed some. Yes. And you know there will be more in the future. Right. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's something that n- we're never going to be able to put it down. No. Yeah. And I, and I <laughs> Go ahead. I grew up reading a picture. like It was like one of those young illustrated classics about Robin Hood. And so we, we didn't begin with all the books that have been written. But, yeah, that's kind of how I got into Robin Hood was reading – the book so it robin hood is all over our popular culture and how many times you say that person's like a robin hood he's stealing from the rich giving to the poor pablo escobar was compared to robin hood so a little different again yeah slightly different (laughs) slightly yeah so the same principle yeah and i think he's just a character that a lot of people look up to um and i think even now as we not to get political or anything, but I think there are a lot of issues with the widening gap of, of inequality of, you know, revenue, right, and wealth. And so, you know, I think that's why people forever have pretty much attached themselves and loved the story of this of this person trying to fight evil, you know, um, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor, and trying to create, create more equality, I guess, for the most part, yeah. right? And also kind of in a fun a fun, witty way while shooting arrows. <laughs> right. And winning winning arrow shooting contests, right? <laughs> he has with, another shot. With the Patriot era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I love Robin Hood. Yeah, do you I guys do. agree? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, that, a, it's, a, it's, it's just a great story. It's, you know, a little guy standing up against a big bad guy and just doing the right thing. Yep. All right. Well, that's Robin Hood. Sorry if we were kind of all over the place on that one. There's just so much information with him, with that character, and it's just almost kind of hard to figure out, like, what's real, what's not, what's fake, what's... Foe. Foe? <laughs> so what do you guys think? What's say? friend? About what? Do you think he's real? I think he's real. There's got to be some oh, something yeah. to base the legend on. I think he probably was a, a multiple different people, and the legend just kind of came together throughout the centuries yeah i think that he's, he's been pieced together yeah. mm-hmm. by different r- different people mm-hmm. named robin or robert absolutely that yeah, made, they made hoods <laughs> or, and war hoods and then somebody started stealing from the rich and giving to the poor another guy shot arrows some people hid in the forest and all of a sudden robin hood prince yep. of thieves, ha- prince thieves of happens thieves. <laughs> so yep all right well there's robin hood thanks for listening everybody of course before we leave got a little bit of nerd outreach yeah let's get into thank yous as usual i have to thank my wife and my daughter for letting me come here and do this and also thank you to kevin costner for getting me into the robin hood story oh man thank you mel brooks <laughs> well now i thank you irma thurman for making an amazing movie that i haven't seen yet but i'll have to check that out <laughs> she's just so talented uh of course as always feature show suggestions uh send them in via email to nerd is the new cool podcast at gmail.com you can also use nerd is the new cool podcast hashtagged uh on any of the socials yeah, you can contact us by liking or following us on the socials on facebook and instagram we're at nerd is a new cool podcast you can follow us on twitter at nerd is a new co2 and you can hear us anywhere 
where you can hear podcasts, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Just search Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. Right, and so our next episode is going to be 70s television, okay? However, and that's, you know, that's, that's keeping with our... Our theme. Our theme, our right? Yeah. yeah. TV through the decades. However, it is March Madness time. Correct. And so I thought this would be a good time, and here's why we should do this real quick, because Selection Sunday is coming up in a couple weeks, and I want to be able to say I pick the right teams to win this championship, right? So we're going to make some bold predictions real quick with March Madness. What do, you, what do you guys think about that? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm not much of a March Madness guy, but I'll go along here. Well, I'm going to give – you've got the list here of okay. who's in the current top 20 and you can or top 25, and you can just kind of pick – who you think's going to win that? I don't need that. John doesn't need it. I already got it. North Carolina, that's who you no, got? No, I can't. Do it. So it's, it's. I'm just kidding. They're not even going to be in the tournament. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm, possibly. Yeah, they're they're having a they're having a down year. No, and I'm not going to be your brother and pick Duke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might be that. I might be that guy. You're probably going to be. That All right. Guy. So let's hear. Let's who, who do you got? Maybe it's in the top ten or top twenty five, and then maybe who's like your sleeper pick? I really have much of a sleeper pick, but I, I can't. The Tigers aren't in it. I'm sorry. The Missouri Tigers. There's plenty of Tigers. Mm-hmm. So Tigers aren't going to make it. So otherwise, I'd I'd pick them because you know you got to bet with your heart, not with your head. But since they're not going to make it, I got to go with the Buckeyes. But then I also can't bet against Tom Izzo in the tournament, Michigan State. Yeah, he's top he, twenty right now. He he always wins in the tournament. So. What do you got, Josh? Go with those two. You know, I'm going to go with, uh, again, I'm not much of a college basketball guy, but San Diego State, just because I like the city of San Diego. Sleeper, this is what's going to happen. SLU will win the A-10 tournament again, and they will make a run. I hope they do. They're a good team. They, be just, awesome. they beat some be really good teams. They've just lost to some bad teams. Yeah, what a, they, they lost to one of the best teams, Dayton, right on a last-second overtime. Yeah, side. I was going to say about like two points or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's actually who I'm going with. I, I think Dayton is looking strong. I'm picking them. Um, I got to go with you know. Actually, you stole my San Diego State, so I won't go with them. So I'll just say Dayton and maybe throw the Zags in there, just because they got to win it one of these years, years. right? I mean, they're always there. My sleeper pick though is going to be Auburn, and here's why: because Mizzou beat Auburn, and so if Mizzou, if Auburn wins the championship, that basically means Mizzou is better than the national champions. So that's the closest Mizzou basketball ever get to a. Go Tigers. Like basketball title, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Well, thank you so much again for listening. Um, check out our next episode, TV Through the Decades, 1970s. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.